Hey guys, Pastor Bear here. Welcome to the podcast for Real Church. We meet every Sunday at 11.15 a.m. at the Worship Center on the campus of Central Christian School in Sherpsburg. You can also check us out online at www.realchurchcoweta.com or jump on Facebook at Real Church Coweta. I hope you enjoy this week's message. Suzanne, that was very powerful. Lynn in the back. Lynn said, he's not crying, you're crying. That was very powerful. One of the things that that they had uh, they had that we couldn't get in that video was was that and you may not have got this, but it was over a period of seven years of trying to get pregnant. It was not a one year thing or a two year thing. It was a seven year thing. Their story is an amazing story, and it's one that you didn't know. And you're going to hear more stories like that of people sitting right beside you that you didn't know. But it's an amazing story. It's an amazing story of not necessarily, it is an amazing story how God works, but it's also an amazing story of what happens with our faith whenever we fully trust him to write our story. Now, I want to tell you something off the get-go. If someone tells you that they understand uh, why this is happening to you because of this or why this is happening to you because of that, that's a lie. Okay, because let me tell you something. The only person that knows why this or why that is happening to you in your story is God himself. And I would love as a pastor to be able to tell you, well, listen, this is the reason why it occurred. But the truth of the matter is, is that I don't know and you don't know. And we're probably not going to know. We're probably not going to know until we see him, what Corinthians calls seeing him face to face. That's just the truth. But what I can tell you is this. I can tell you that in the book of Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, it says this. It says that, that, that Jesus is the author and perfecter of our faith. He's the author and perfecter in verse 2. The author and perfecter of our faith. And what that means is, the author, it means that he is the originator. He is the originator. Uh, he is the one, it was his original idea for you. You were his original idea. He is the author of your story. He is the author. Anyone who writes something, I had to write a paper for one of the classes I had. It was 32 pages long. I know. I thought the same thing. One of the teenagers just went, I know. Whenever I heard the assignment, I went the same way. And I was like 48. So author and perfecter. I was the author. That means it was my original things. I wrote those things out. Well, the same thing is true for God and you. You you were, you were thought up by, by God himself. He is the author, the originator. And then it says this, he is the perfecter. Now, what perfecter means doesn't mean that you're going to walk around and you're going to be perfect. What it means is, is that he will see you through. And we're going to see a scripture in a minute that says that. He will see you through. So he is the perfecter. And it also goes on to mean this. It means that he has given an example. He has lived the example to show you, to show you how best to live your life. And Jesus at every turn lived his life by focusing back on the Father, back on the Father, and pointing people back to the Father is what he did. And all he asks you to do is two things, to believe and to 
follow. We said this in our original, the first thing talking about this, and I want to keep going back to this. God's, our story originates with God. God provided an example for how to walk out our story. And here's the third one. God provided a guide, and that's Holy Spirit. He provided a guide for us along the way. And today we're going to look at Genesis chapter 15. We're going to look at the whole chapter, Genesis chapter 15. Some of you guys just said, oh great, we came, we came the wrong day. It's not too bad. It's only it's only 21 verses, and let me tell you exactly what it says. It says this. It says, I'll, I'll give you guys a minute to, to get there. Genesis chapter 15. Genesis chapter 15. It says this. Sometime later, the Lord spoke to Abram in a vision and said to him, Don't be afraid, Abram, for I will protect you, and your reward will be great. But Abram replied, O oh, oh, sovereign Lord, what good are all the blessings when I don't even have a son? Since you have given me no children, Eliezer of Damascus, a servant in my household, will inherit all of my wealth. You have given me no descendants of my own, so one of my servants will be my heir. And then it says, Then the Lord said to him, No, your servant will not be your heir, for you will have a son of your own. And his son, he will be your heir. Then the Lord took Abram outside and told him to look up. Look into the sky and count the stars if you can. That's how many descendants you will have. And Abram believed the Lord, and the Lord counted to him as righteous because of his faith. I want to say that again. And Abram believed the Lord, and the Lord counted him as righteous because of his faith. And then it says, Then the Lord told him, I am the Lord who brought you out of Ur of Chaldeans, to, the, to give you this land as your possession. But Abram replied, O sovereign Lord, how can I be assured that I will actually possess it? And then the Lord brought him out. The Lord told him, Bring me a three-year-old heifer, a, year, uh, a three-year-old female goat, a three-year-old ram, and a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. So Abram presented all these things and killed them. Then he cut each animal down the middle and laid the halves side by side. He did not, however, cut the birds in half. Some vultures swooped down to eat the carcasses, but Abram chased them away. As the sun was going down, Abram fell into a deep sleep, and a terrifying darkness came over him. Then the Lord said to Abram, You can be sure that your descendants will be strangers in a foreign land, where that you will be oppressed for 400 years as slaves. But I will punish the nation that enslaves them, and in the end, they will come away with great wealth. As for you, you will die in peace and be buried at a ripe old age. Uh, after four generations, your descendants will return here to this land, for the sins of the Amorites do not yet warrant their destruction. After the sun went down and the darkness fell, Abram saw a smoking fire pot and a flaming torch pass between the halves of the carcass. So the Lord made a covenant with Abram that day and said, I have given this land to your descendants and all the way from the border of Egypt to the great Euphrates River, the land now occupied by the Kenites, Kizzites, uh, Kadamites, Hittites, Perizzites, Rephaites, Amorites, Canaanites, Gigarites, Gigabites, uh, and uh, Jebusites, Nunanites, uh, and every other ite you can think of. So that's what he said. Um, so what's going on here? Let me tell you what's going on. What's going on is that he has called Abram out and he has said, I'm going to make through you a chosen people. Does anyone have any idea what they were chosen for? Anyone? No? Good, I'll tell you. They were chosen. They were chosen people. The people of Israel were chosen people. They were chosen to bring forth the Messiah. That's what they were chosen for. When Adam and Eve sinned and the great plan of God began to go in motion... Around chapter 12 of Genesis, we see, we see God called this man named Abram, eventually called Abraham, and he chose him to come into this land that he would give him. 
And they were chosen because they would be the ones that would bring forth the Messiah through their line. That's why whenever they were going into the land, God was very serious about not having any other gods. He was very serious about destroying people. Why is that? Because it was better to destroy some armies than it was to destroy the whole world. Even you and even me. And he needed a people he could bring the Messiah forth through. And that's why, that's why they were chosen people. And so it gets down to the point where he's saying, hey, listen, I'm glad you brought me to this land, God. That's what we see in verse chapter 15. I'm glad you brought me to this land, God. But here's the thing. I don't have any kids. My wife, Sarah, can't get pregnant. I don't have any kids. And we're all old. And so here's what I want you to know. I'm going to just give my, give, give my inheritance over to my servants. And that was the case back in the day. If you, had no, if you did not have an heir, you would just give over your things to, one of your, to basically your best servant. And God said, no, that's not going to happen. That's not going to happen. And you see this back and forth between God and Abram about this heir. He comes out and he says, hey, listen, I want you to understand something. Not only are you going to have this heir, not only are you guys going to have a kid. And he said, look up at the stars. And he looked up at the stars and he said, your, your descendants are going to outnumber all of those stars. And Abram was so confused. And he was like, well, how in the world can I know this? And then we see, we see that dramatic moment. Now, I want to tell you something. Not being able to have Abram an heir was something that was very painful for Sarah. It was very important to have an heir. It was probably a lifelong pain of Sarah's not being able to have an heir. It probably provided a lot of guilt for her. And let's be honest, if you continue to read the story through, you find out there is a lot of doubt about whether or not God is going to do it, the thing that he said he would do. As a matter of fact, starting in chapter 16, you see that Sarah takes things in her own hands and tries to do things her own way. But God said, no, no, that's not the one. We're going to do something totally different. So what does this tell us about God? What does this tell us about us? And what are we going to do with it? That's the question. I want to talk today about the story. And I want to tell you the first thing is this. God often has greater things in mind with our story than we do. I want you to get that. I don't want you to miss that. God often has greater things in mind with our story than we do. I want you to see something. Abraham was just fine in the, Cal- in the, in the era of Chaldeans. He was fine. He was, he was doing great. He had a nice little life. He had a, a two-car garage, a 3-2 ranch, sitting out in Sonoya. He was fine. All right, had five acres, a cow or two, pretty wife. He was fine. And God called him out. And in this exchange, you see God telling Abram, listen, not only, you're you're just asking me for an heir, but you have to understand something. I'm going to do much more than just give you an heir. I'm going to do a lot more than that. Oftentimes, oftentimes, God has greater things in mind for our stories than we do. You know, I'll tell you the rest of the story with Suzanne and Lynn briefly. Suzanne and Lynn were in the struggle to, to have this baby. And they were in the struggle for seven years. And finally, finally, 
they, they, they had Samantha. And, and what was interesting is, is that all of those things that Suzanne had said up to that point, God, I know, I know we're not serving you. I know I'm a Christian, but Lynn's not. And I, but I, I, will, I will put, you know, it, it, was, it was almost like Hannah said in the Old Testament in the book of Samuel, where she says, I will give this child over to you. We will, we will come back to you. And I'm not trying to make a deal, God, but we'll, we'll come back to you. And she did. She did come back. And soon, and I'll make it really brief, soon Lynn kind of took notice as well. So in his early 30s, because one of the reasons, because of this blessing, he gave his life over to Christ. Now let me, let me say something interesting here. When they were praying, all of their story they wanted was that kid. That was it. They could have never imagined going through the process, having the child, going to the, I want you to get something too, by the way, the heartache, going through that heartache, having the child, and then what followed after, what followed after. They had, they had the situation where, where she started going back. He then went back and finally gave his life over to Christ. He gave his life over to Christ, and then they started working in various things, became active in church, and somewhere down the line, and they had no idea this was going to happen, they met this awesome pastor. <laughs> and suddenly, Lynn, who wasn't even saved at the time in his early 30s, fast forward, Lynn's almost 70 now, but fast, I'm just kidding. <laughs> he's only 58. No, I'm just kidding. He's 50 something. 50, 50, 50, 50. Doesn't look a day over 48 and a half. But anyway, he's 50. But down the line, all of a sudden, there is this situation where there is this pastor and he become friends, and they're like the odd couple, but they like each other for some reason, and, and they go fishing, and the pastor catches a lot of fish, and Lynn doesn't catch any. That was yesterday. Anyway, but uh, so anyway, so they have this situation, and all of a sudden, they, they, they feel like God is calling them to plant this church, and all of a sudden, this all kind of took place and transpired. And, and that has nothing, that's just a little minuscule part of the story. Because you, on the other hand, you've got this beautiful daughter who is doing so great at school, even accounting. Right, Samantha? Even accounting. Uh, anyway, uh, but, but she's doing great at school and this family is flourishing and having impacts on other people. Now, none of that was in their plan. They just wanted a doggone kid. That's all they wanted. But oftentimes, oftentimes, we usually limit, we limit our story because we don't think that God, and people, listen, I want you to hear this. People live their lives all the time limiting their story because of what is between their ears. That's what they do. They limit their stories. I, I literally do funerals with people that limit their stories and never took that next step to say, no, this is not, no, God wants better. God's got more. God's got more. And Abraham could have done the same thing. But he had to decide, no, I'm going to trust. I'm going to trust God. That's a funny story. I have a friend of mine who, he was broke. You guys ever get broke? And then there, there's broke, which means you've still got money in the, in the couch that you can get out. And then there's broke, which means the money from the couch is gone. And you lift up the end of the couch and jiggle it, but nothing's there. Right? Are you with me? That's broke. And he was broke. And he said, God, 
I really could use a hundred bucks, God. I really could use a hundred dollars. And he was a new Christian. And literally, literally like two days later, he got a reimbursement check from the from the from State Farm for a hundred bucks. Hundred bucks. He had overpaid for his insurance. And he said, God, thank you so much. I can't thank you so much, God, for this. And he said this. He said, I could hear God slightly whisper, You should have asked for more. We do that. We do that. Most of us live where we take our lives and we put it in a box. And we live in that box. And a lot of times the box is given to us by whoever raised us or whoever's around us. And they can't see us doing anything else. God oftentimes has greater things for you than you realize or have for yourself. Here's the other thing. It's a one-sided situation. It's a one-sided Situation. I'm going to need some help here. So, RJ, can you grab me two of those chairs, please? Grab me two of those chairs. Miranda, look how strong he is. He's strong, Miranda. Ooh, ooh. You guys have two kids. That's enough, okay? All right, so, so listen. So, I know, amen to that, right? So, 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 I want to show you something. The story tells this. It says, he said, how am I going to know, God? How am I going to know? Now, I want to tell you something. He had him kill some animals, place them on either side. These chairs will represent the animals. He had him place them on either side. Why did he do that? That's interesting. Well, let me tell you how, why he did it. Here's how, here's how they, would, they would seal a covenant, okay? Here's how they would seal a covenant. Whenever they were going to sell land to someone and whenever they're going to do something for someone like they made an agreement, the two, the two would literally interlock, interlock arms, Okay? They would interlock hands, and the two men would seal a covenant by walking through the middle of the sacrifice. That's what they did. That's how they sealed the covenant. They would walk through the middle of the sacrifice. They would walk through the middle of the... uh, And and listen, I'm going to tell you something, and this might blow your mind a little bit, but it's one of the reasons why when you get married, you walk down the middle aisle of either side. You're sealing a covenant. And that's how they would seal the covenant. But that's not what happened in the story. Do you guys know what happened in the story? Abram did not walk through the middle. Only God walked through the middle. Do you know why only God walked through the middle? Because it's a one-sided situation. God is saying this. He's saying, listen, not only am I going to give you a child, not only am I going to make, make, make your descendants, but you're going, to, you're going to have a great nation. And here's the kicker. It's one-sided. It's a one-sided situation. I am going to do it for you. That's why we read Jesus saying, my yoke is easy and my burden that you carry is light. We also see in Philippians 1.6, I think we have that up here. Philippians 1.6 says, and I am certain that God who began the good work in you, I want you to hear that. You can really read that as, and I am certain that God who is the author and perfecter of my faith, I am certain that God who began the good work in you, who originated the work. The word began there is the same as the word is author. He originated the work, will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day When Jesus Christ returns, he will finish the work. And I want you to understand something. His yoke 
is easy and his burden is light because it's a one-sided situation. It's a one-sided situation. Here's the third thing. Here's the third thing I want you to understand. God sometimes carries us through tough times instead of delivering us from them. He sometimes carries us through tough times instead of delivering them, delivering us from them. I've told you guys this before, that if you read the story in Daniel of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, what you see is, is you see three Hebrew boys in the fire. And then Nebuchadnezzar looks and says, the fourth looks like the son of God. And the scripture records them as being dancing in the fire. He is with you in the fire. They didn't necessarily know it at the time, but he was with Suzanne and Lynn in their fire. He is with you in the fire. Do I understand everything that happens in your life? Do I understand why certain things happen? Do I understand why God answers some prayers and others? No, I do not. And neither does anyone else if you ask them. That is between you and God. And you will probably not understand until you meet him face to face. But I can tell you this. Every time I've been in a bad situation, every time I'm going through a trial or a struggle, I have two choices. I can get bitter or I can get better. And when I've chosen to get bitter, my life has spiraled downhill. But when I've chosen to get better, I've allowed God to take over. And I've said, God, this is a one-sided situation. You made a promise to me. This is a one-sided situation. That's what I've said. I want to say one other thing. I think I've really missed. Let me, let me show you Psalms 8, 2 through 4. In, in the book of Psalms, it says, You have taught children and infants to tell of your strength, silencing your enemies with all who oppose you. And then it says, When I look at the night sky and see the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars you set in place. And then it says, What are mere mortals that, that you should think about them, human beings that you should care for them? I want you to understand something. It is a miracle in itself that God would even look down upon us. It is a miracle in itself that he's even provided a way for us. That's a miracle within itself. Why is that? Because his ways are higher than our ways. And you can spend your whole life trying to figure out why this is happening or why that's happening. Or you can say your ways are higher than my ways. Let me tell you something. Sarah didn't want to go her whole life without being able to have a child. But I want to tell you something true today as we close about motherhood. And this is so true. And I want you to hear this because there may be people here who either have had problems having children or have never had a child. But I want to tell you something. I want young, young ladies to listen to this too. Giving birth doesn't make you a mom. I want you to hear that. Giving birth doesn't make you a mom. It doesn't. I didn't know whether to say this or not, but I'll say it anyway. Any idiot can give birth. Okay? Any idiot can give birth. Being a mom takes loving and guiding children for a lifetime. It's about bringing that nurturing side that women have. It's providing a family for a child. It's allowing God to use your sensitivity and your loving nature and your gentle spirit to mold and shape a child's heart for a lifetime. And can I tell you something? You don't have to give birth to do that. You don't at all. 
We have friends right now that are going through the process of adoption. And can I tell you something? From the moment, from the moment they get that child, she will become that child's mom. Giving birth doesn't mean that you're a mom. You have to allow God to use you no matter what. So if you have a situation where you're frustrated, if you have a situation where you're struggling, if you know someone that maybe is trying to have a child, listen, let's be honest here. Not all stories end like Suzanne and Lynn's. Not all stories end that way. Some stories end where you never can have your own child. But can I tell you something? What greater opportunity? I know for a fact, because I worked with kids in state custody, there are thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of children that are waiting to be adopted. And instead, while the church needs to stand up and scream about abortion, we also need to be standing in line getting ready to adopt those children. If, if we truly are pro-life, we're pro-every life, including the kids that are in state custody waiting to adopt. And I'm going to be honest with you, I've done that. It's not easy. It's the hardest thing we've ever done. It is. And I, it's the gift that keeps on giving, too. She's 25. It's the gift that keeps on giving. But can I tell you something? It's our responsibility. And so if you've been faced with that situation or you know someone that's facing that situation, I would encourage you to allow God to write your story. It wasn't a story that we had written when we came to Georgia. We were just going to go, and, and I was going to be a youth pastor. We were going to raise Blake the best we could, and then, you know, and that got a lot tough. But anyway, I'm just kidding, buddy. It didn't get tough. But, but, but it, you know, we were going to do that. Well, let me tell you something. All of a sudden, God totally changed our story. And i got to be honest with you. Right now, there's not a happy little bow to put on that story. But I'm believing by faith that there will be. And you can believe the same way. You can believe the same way. What does the story of Abraham tell us about God? It tells us that not every time are we going to be carried out of the situation. Oftentimes we may be carried through it. But that God has a higher calling and a higher purpose for your story. Especially moms for your story. Especially ladies for your story. You don't have to give birth to be a mom. You can be a mom right where you are. By loving on a child, by showing a relative's kids or your, your, your nieces and nephews love, you can do that. You can do that right where you are. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. I'm so thankful for the, uh, for the, uh, um, just the, the story of Abram and, um, and Sarah, it's just such an amazing story, God. It's an amazing story that, <clears throat> that teaches us that when you say you're going to do something, it's a one-sided thing. And it may not look the way we think it should look. And it may not look the way that, that we had all planned out in our minds. But that your ways are higher than our ways and your ways are perfect. And we trust that. We trust that more than anything. And so God, today... I pray that you would bless us. I pray that you would show yourself strong with us. And I pray that you would, I hope that you've spoken to someone here today. I hope they don't leave here the same way they came in. My prayer is that they would be changed from the inside out. And so God, as we sing this final song, we just want to lift you up, lift you up in praise and honor you for who you are. We don't understand you always, God. Our minds are not large enough to understand you. But what we do know is this, 
time and time and time again, both in the scriptures and in the lives of people that we know, you have shown up and you have shown out. Not always positive. Sometimes it's hard. But when it got hard, you carried us. And we're thankful for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the podcast of Real Church Coweta. If you have any questions or if you would like to contact us at Real Church, please go to our website at www.realchurchcoweta.com and click on the Contact Us tab. We invite you to join us on Sunday at 11.15 a.m. at the Worship Center on the campus of Central Christian School in Sharpsburg. Also, check out our website or Facebook page for directions. Until next time, God bless and remember to love God, love others, and live real.